softly. Heavenly Father, we've come together this afternoon now, and Lord, on a cold day, but Lord, we're here because of you, and we're here to serve you, and we're here to learn of you. Father, as it's already been prayed, we're inviting your Spirit, Lord, into this place, to the speaker, to the hearer, but Lord, also transcending the miles, the distance to every home. Minister to us, Lord. We'll look at the Word just a little bit this morning or this afternoon now. I pray that you would just speak to us, minister to us as we look ahead to the road that you may have. Grant it, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles. We're going to take a couple of places. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. And... um, We'll pick up a few verses there and then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time, Michael shall stand up. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. That, that, that's just amazing. Daniel the prophet, he would point to a time, and it's a time we're living in. This is, Daniel had already seen the vision of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the statue right down to the end. But now in his last one, he speaks about a time of trouble like never was. And that's what we're coming to. But I like this next part. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, thou, O Daniel... Shut up the words, seal the book, 
even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Hold your, page, hold your finger in there. You may have your seats. I'm going to read a little bit more from this in, in Daniel chapter 12 down to verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in, in linen which was upon the waters of the river. When he held up his right hand, his left hand, unto the heaven, he swear by him that liveth forever and ever. It shall be for a time, times and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things will be finished. Now, we were talking about a time of trouble, but also that in the middle of this trouble, God was going to bring a deliverance. And his people were going to be delivered. Everyone found written in the book. Now, we, we go further here, and Daniel talks about how the goal was to scatter the power of the holy people. In, in Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, you don't have to turn to it, but it's in verse 25. It would talk about how the kings and the powers that were there, they would speak great words against the Most High, and they shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and they'll think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand for a time and times and the dividing of time. So it uses the similar um, verbiage as, as chapter 7, as verse 7 here. But again here, it's, it's indicating Satan's goal is to undermine the people of God. Now our link with God, just give me a little bit more um, volume, I'm, I'm going to have to rely on partly my own amen here this morning, but I appreciate yours. I appreciate all of you that are here. I, 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 our link, our, our service with God is by His Word. And the enemy is on a war path to undermine the effects of God's Word in this last day. And, and, and I'm going to just go into that a little bit, maybe more in an instructional basis. I'll I'll, I'll just see how the Lord leads it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in part into this. There's another part that I, I'll pick up because it's too much to bring in one service. But just recognize where we're at. It's, it's, it's Satan's Eden. This, these, these are messages Brother Brandon brought. Satan's Eden. That was not just a service title. That was an announcement. That was the age we're living in. The God of this evil age. There's no age that the devil has been referred to as a God but in this age. Why? Because he operates by deceit. He's an opportunist. And as we go into this year, he's going to look for a moment when our guard is down. And if we ever need to be wired to the Word of God more than anything, it is this age. And, then, and that ought to be our focus and our goal in our daily habits. In our daily discipline, in our daily walk with God. And I, I believe we're, we're living in that kind of a time where we need that. So Daniel would talk about increased knowledge, and many would run to and fro. And, but in, in that time, we need an anchor, we need a stabilizer. In the midst of that, we need to look for peace, and we need to understand these things. I'll finish reading here in verse 8. Daniel would say, and I heard, but I understood not. 
And then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So there was something that was kept, but it was going to be released because we were going to need it in the time that we're in. Many shall be purified, made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Over in 1 Corinthians, or sorry, 2 Corinthians, if I, I gave you the wrong one there, Ethan, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, this is verse 1. Actually, Brother Branham would use this scripture for the subject, the God of this evil age. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, now just think about it. In the middle of, of all of this, this time of trouble, knowledge increased, God still has a word. It, it's, it's, it's there. It's hidden. And the reason it's hidden is verse 3. But if our gospel be hidden, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. So there's a darkness. Revelations chapter 9 talks about uh, something, an angel that, that was cast down. It was into a pit. But when he came back out, there was a smoke. There was an incense. It pervaded the whole earth. It became like locust. It, 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 it just came over everyone. It's a blindness. It's a darkness. But there is a light. And it would say, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves for your servants, for, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who has commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to speak this morning, and I'll give a title, and I want to call this that certain something in a world with everything. That certain something in a world with everything. Let's also read John chapter 10, and this will be the anti-type to the two verses that I've read, and this is the certainty, and this will go to the song we just sung, but John would say, John chapter 10, verse 1, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. 
and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Now that, you will find that text also in a message called Wisdom versus Faith, and I will refer to that in part today. I want to, us to think about the world around us, and it's not hard. This morning we are benefiting from, uh, well, I'm going to just say it, we're benefiting from technology this morning. Uh, if one thing COVID taught us is we can be resilient. We can still have church even though we can't assemble. And so it, it set the stage for doing something like we're doing today. Hey, we can still have church. We can still gather together. So the, the tree of knowledge, if I can say it this way, is in full bloom. And it's in full bloom, but it's also characterized at the time of the God of this evil age, and it is the method by which Satan uses to truly capture the hearts of the world and the people and take their minds. Now, we appreciated this morning the technology from the tree of knowledge. We appreciate the warmth that we can have in our homes. We appreciate that we can get into a car that, that has not only heat blowing, but in some cases, heated seats. And I remember Brother Menno telling me one time years ago, as he gets older, there's certain things that you just start to like. And, and he told me, uh, yeah, a, a heated steering wheel is a must. <laughs> he said, now that could only be spoken by somebody who, who lives on the prairies and has gotten out to his car too often without gloves. But uh, anyway, we're thankful for the warmth, for the car. We're thankful for the connection that we have this morning via video streaming. You know, people that are at home, they can be connected. All of that is not through, uh, you know, our, our, the three dimensions we live in, which is time, matter, and light, but it's through the fourth dimension, which has been opened in this age like no other dimension. The fourth, the fourth dimension, you know, it's, it's gone into the realm of science. You know, I, Brother Branham was, was in the message, I think one of them that I was listening to, he said, could you imagine sitting around the table 50 years ago and telling them that one day you'll be able to record a voice? He says, they would have looked at you like you were crazy. Not only can you record a voice, but you can live stream a voice now. And not only can you live stream a voice, you can record images and you can live stream video. Like real, real time. And I mean, these are things, you know, I've always had these dreams. I thought, man, I, I wish I could have pulled up, you know, years ago when, when all you had was like these older cars, but pulled up with some new fancy car, like if you could be transported in time. That only happened when I was a young man. And, and maybe recently as as I'm, I'm kidding, that mid-age time, right? You start to think these things. But, you know, you, you, you think about 
what we have and, and how it's a blessing and the world around us. And, you know, even yesterday being able to text, being able to share information, uh, you know, just check what the weather forecast is, you know, be able to text that, shoot that over in an email, do all of these things. These are all part of the blooming of the tree of knowledge that is around us. And, you know, there's, there's something that comes with it. There's, there's a little bit of a sense of power, you know, that, that yeah, I, I, I can just pull this up right now. You know, you're, you're sitting at a table and somebody's scratching their head trying to find the information. Well, somebody's texting their phone already to, to find out what you're talking about. And then they pull it up. I got it first, you know. It's just like this sense of, I, I got it, you know. But what are we doing? We're, we're actually leaning on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I would just say, don't get used to that. Like that, listen, I, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, your cell phone is not going with you in the rapture. And, and, and I know some people get the shakes when they leave their phone at home, or, or they can't check it for a five, ten minutes, or whatever it may be. Listen, don't get used to it. it it's not going to be over there. And I'll say this, and, and if, if it's holding you back, detach yourself from it a little bit. Allow God to be your greatest attachment to a higher life, a greater place. I believe that's where we're going to. Brother Branham would actually, I think this was the message where he had spoke on, um, yeah, it was harvest time, and he was speaking about technology and all of that. And he would say, now think about this, this is in the fourth dimension. Right now in this room there is human beings, forms of human beings, passing through, voices singing, but you are limited in your senses to a certain percent of sight. But if you can take the crystal or the tube or whatever's in the television or the wireless, if I can add to that, or all the other things, and you could take those waves and condense it in a channel... You could pick up people in Australia, in South Africa, in India. You could stand here. You could tell even the color of their clothes, the color of the trees, every move they make. Now it's got to be somewhere. It's hidden from our eyes. That same thing is passing through here now. Now he said, think about this. It was here when Abraham was here, and God said, look up towards the stars. It was here when Elijah was on Mount Carmel. It was here when Adam was here, but they're just now discovering it. And now, Brother Branham, and then he says, now you think about, that's the fourth dimension. Now he brings us over. That's only an anti-type, he said, and so is God here, and the angels, and someday it'll be just as much a reality as television or anything else, because the Spirit will bring us into that immortal life. I, I believe, listen, I don't believe that the rapture is something that gets forced into us. I believe we step into it. I believe we make steps every service. I believe that as, as we hear the Word of God, it opens our vision. It opens our understanding to a reality that is greater than that which is around us. 
Oh, I, I believe that with all my heart. Because that God is also in another dimension. And I'll say if the fourth dimension is open to man, what is open to the believer? There is something greater that is being opened. Now he would say, in the same train of thought, I want us to be conscious of that, that God is in this room. The author of this word is here. Now, he would say it this way. It doesn't matter how you're dressed or what degree you live in life or what kind of a home you live in or what kind of a car you drive or how much education you've got. God is not looking at that. He looks at your heart. And we are judged from our heart, not even our words. Now, if we can catch the reality of that, I, I, I believe that we ought to find ourselves in prayer, not just mechanically, but to really enter in. There's times that, that it's not I don't want just to utter repetitive words, but I want to enter into communion with him. I want to enter into his presence and into and, 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 and his holiness. And sometimes you come in that, and when you leave that, everything doesn't look the same. It, it, things look filthy. Yeah. The, the, the things that we may have been feeding on earlier or the day before, all of a sudden, you don't want to go there anymore. Why? You've entered into something. And I say, that's a real place. And let, let's, let's be conscious of that. He is here. I believe he's, he's opened up himself in a greater way. We are, it's more available to the believer than ever before. My sheep hear my voice. And I believe his voice is here. Now, I'm going to... I want to take this a little bit uh, into, I'm going, to, I'm going to use a little bit of a PowerPoint here this morning, Ethan, if you can put that up, and just in a way of, of maybe bringing you to some things, and uh, I, I, I believe that as we're looking at the year ahead, we have to understand what we're facing, and uh, I'm, I'm going to restart this with Brother Branham some of his prayers are amazing to me. This is a man running from the presence of God. And he would, he would just speak this, and I'll just go to the area I've highlighted in yellow, but he says, may all the great mysteries that we're supposed to know at this age, Lord, be unveiled to us. And that we will see the plainness of God so that we'll know how to be, behave ourselves and act, correcting ourselves and bringing the, our, the members of our body into discipline to the Word. Now, th this is amazing because we really live in an age that we are bombarded. And, I, and if you don't believe that, just go on the internet sometime and maybe you even go to YouTube and you... You, 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 by, by virtue of use and the measurement of what they call algorithms, they measure what you like, and what you go into, all of a sudden, you find all kinds of things popping up that are close to what you did. So it, unconsciously, you are being directed to something. Yeah. 
Now, it's wonderful when, when all that pops up on the side is, is, is messages or streaming services or John Deere tractors or whatever, you know, whatever you, your, your vice is. I mean, it's wonderful if it's in a good way. But the enemy is so subtle. And, 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 and out of nowhere, something can pop up that is so untoward. And, and, and you need to recognize this is a tactical approach by the enemy. He, the demons are working to, to bring everybody into this darkness so that the word doesn't penetrate. Now, here Brother Branham says, now we as Christians, we ought to behave ourselves and act. We need to, we need to discipline ourselves. I, 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 you, you grow older and you begin to recognize where you're weak and where you've got to take pains to protect yourself. Maybe the morning is, maybe you're not a morning person. And, you know, maybe, so you need to do something to facilitate that. You, you need to do something to bring you into a channel. Maybe you're, you're the evening, you're tired, and you let yourself go, and you find yourself looking at something you shouldn't. you got to take pains to protect that. We, gotta, we have to discipline ourselves. And, and I believe that we live in the most characterless and undisciplined age. People, people just fly off the handle. I, I'm just the other day, I'm at the bank there, and somebody came in and they booked an appointment and they didn't have a record of it. Well, they, they walked out of there screaming and yelling and what kind of a place it, just no control. And I go, God help us. And I, I caught myself the other day, just, just, just something didn't work out right and just got a little gruff, as, as my wife would put it. And then I corrected myself and, and thank, thank, thankful that she's there. You know, brothers, we need the feminine side just to remind us once in a while. And all the sisters said, wow. <laughs> that, that was your moment. You could have just bowed. Yay, man, brother Ed. Say it. At any rate, I, I, I'm, I'm coming to a point. Brother Branham is taking the message and he's saying, now you need to apply it. You need to behave yourself with it. You need to bring your members into a discipline to the word that we might know how to live in this present day at the approaching of the Lord Jesus. As I said last week, we're not a punching bag for the devil. Now we're going to be tactical. We've, we've got to understand, keep the blows off of us. We've got to be able to forge a way ahead. And it's going to involve a vision and some leadership and say, God help me. This is in Paul, a prisoner. He's praying here, and this is part of his prayer. Bless our coming together. And then he will speak in the words in yellow. Speak to us, Lord. Warm our hearts strangely that we would know how to discipline ourselves for the great time that lays ahead as we believe we're nearing the coming of the Lord. Listen to the words of Brother Branham. He's saying, you've got to channel yourself. Don't allow any vice, don't allow any words, any, anything to penetrate that fellowship with God. Keep the word of God in front of you. And he was saying the same prayer, and, and Lord, be with us all, the nations all around that are in need. And for, then again in yellow, it says, forgive us of our sin. Chasten us, Lord, with thy spirit and thy word 
that we might discipline ourselves, obedient servants, obedient servants in the will of God. So I, I love this. Discipline yourself. Paul would, Paul would admonish the church in that first day, and, and he would talk to the elders in, in a certain way, and he would talk to, to, to this elder sisters, and he would talk to the young men, and, 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 and he would talk about things, and he would say, avoid foolish questions. You know, don't, don't get into idle tales. Little, little things that are relative to conversation. And, 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 you know, corrupt communication can defile you. And, and, and just partaking of something, as, as Brother Branham would say, Lord, let me live so close to you till the least bit of grieving I would sense it. I, I, I want to live that way. I, I, don't, I, I, I believe I'm in the presence of God. Let me live like I'm in the presence of God. There are things that are grievous to the Holy Spirit. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And they would speak to young men. Young men, exhort, be sober-minded. Why would he have to admonish a young man to be sober-minded? Aren't all young men just matter-of-fact, discipline, move, and everything? No, they're not. Hey, I was there. I wasn't that way. But I had to subject myself to it. Young men, exhort yourself to be sober-minded. Think about what you're doing today. It's going to have an effect tomorrow. And if you keep doing it, you're going to reap it down the road. Oh, thank God for the admonition of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's, let's go on. I'm going to take this a little bit from the point of view of the God of this evil age. And in Wisdom versus Faith, Brother Branham would, would take this. And this will be just sort of a, a summary. I, I have some more details that I won't get into today. But there's only two sources that we draw our life from. One is wisdom and the other is faith. And if we think what wisdom produces and then what faith produces, these two sources, we're going to back this morning and bring them up out of the Bible, show what they are and what they're going to do and what they have done by the help of the Lord. So they started in the Garden of Eden, these two sources. They're with us. They were here when Jesus was here. They're with us in the end time. They are. Now, faith and wisdom. Now, Genesis 1, he says that's where faith was introduced, and that's where wisdom was introduced. And today, them two sources are still being introduced to the human race. Can I add this? Can I say they are being presented to us? They are being presented to you in your thought life. They're being presented to you in what your eyes look upon, what your ears hear. They are being presented. The enemy, his power is in deceit. Listen, if we understand the devil cannot make you do anything. But what he does, he tries to disarm you, make something look good, make it look attractive, and when you bite on it, so to speak, then he's got you. Why? You're believing his lie. You're believing his narrative, his viewpoint, his way of thinking of it. These two sources, they're introduced to the human race. God was the author of faith to believe, for the people to believe and trust his word. That, that may seem simple. I, I just believe what God said. 
Yeah, that's, I, that, that is a good testimony. And Satan is the author of wisdom trying to get the people to accept his wisdom and pull them away from the faith that's in God's word, these two sources. Now, the wisdom that we're talking about, what is this wisdom? Something that will not agree that all this word is the truth. It's something that will take you away from a 100% true word even to get you to a 99% true word. Expressing itself as a higher knowledge and more wisdom. So with it, with it, comes a certain approach. Now, it, 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 I, I, I was tempted to go down this road. I, I didn't put this in, in the PowerPoint. I gotta, but let me just drop this in. It's sometimes how a question is asked. Jesus would have those, you know, the Bible says such and such, but what do you say? And, and, and if you look at it, the Bible says, and they spoke it tempting him. So here, Brother Moses spoke on, on Wednesday about being more than good citizens. And, and so here, here's a question that would be a good question for a young person to ask, the rich young ruler. He says, what do I have to do to make it to heaven? Well, that's a good question. You know, but let me back up. Here's a, here's a question that we can ask. What do I have to do to escape hell? <laughs> now, is that a good question for a Christian? Yeah, you don't want to go to hell. But is that going to get you there just by that approach? No, it won't. Yeah, it'll put some fear in you maybe when you know what's coming. But that is not the approach to God in his fullness. So it's, it's what do I have to do to get to heaven? And, and Jesus would say, well, you know, love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor with all your heart. He says, bless God, I've done this. You know, I, you know and, and I, I, I've done all of this. But then Jesus, discerning him, he also would say, go and sell everything you have. Because he saw something in him. That same Jesus, he can speak to your heart. And tell you what's between you and God. And what's a hindrance. I, I, I don't want any trouble at the river. I, I want my heart to be free and clear. I don't want no hindrance. So he says now, he will not agree. He will try and take you away from the truth. Expressing it as a higher knowledge and more wisdom. And if that wisdom comes from Satan, his children live by that wisdom. So Often you can see that approach in, in, in the world around us, but you also can see it how the enemy comes to you. And he came to Jesus this way, so expect him to come that way. If thou be the Son of God. So it's a question to begin with. And, and it's a question that doesn't have an answer. It's not a question that edifies you. It's not a question that, that, that affirms faith, but it's one that tears down faith. So when you get those questions, you can begin to detect already where it's coming from. You know, and, and, and listen, we had young people going to a camp, and uh, you know, you get a lot of different things coming to a camp. But if somebody would say, well, what does your church do about this? Oh, man, we do this. Our pastor, no, it, it's not a question of, picking the church that suits what I want. It's about saying, Lord, I want your truth. I want your heart on the matter. I don't want opinions. I want the truth. 
So, I, I, there's more that could come out of this. So, this is the wisdom in, in paragraph 99, paragraph 100. And if the faith of God came through God, and God is his word, God's children lives on faith. Yes, the Bible said the just live by wisdom. No, by faith. The just live by faith. Not what he can learn, but what he can believe. Oh, the simplicity of the message in the Bible. All right, he says. Now let me find out. Let's take wisdom first. Wisdom has reasoning. Faith has no reasoning. And wisdom has reasonings. So now he says, let's turn to Genesis 3. And I'm going to refer to it in a minute. Prior to Brother Branham speaking this, he tells the story about how he was, he had a vision to maybe go overseas, and he has a dream, and all he saw in the dream was, was a little canoe going down this raging river, and there was just two men. Anyway, the, the, the whole story is uh, he, he, God did not want him to go overseas. He gave him this dream, and he says, stay at home and store up food. You're going to need it. So now Brother Branham just refers to it. He says, now what are we doing here this morning? We're following what the Lord said. Lay up food. You're going to need it one of these days. Listen, all of these messages are for our benefit. Sometimes we need to re-sow the foundation that we know where we're standing. Now Genesis 3 verse 1, we're just going to simple some of this. Then I'm just going to get to some points. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now, think about last week when we spoke about, uh, when I used that artificial intelligence. So what you get is you get a narrative, you get voices that sound really good, but really there's no soul behind it. Do you want to have conversations with something that has no soul? That's what Eve was doing. She was having conversations with something that had no soul to it. It had no moral compass. It, it, it could emulate everything, but it really didn't have something that could correct it. And it's the same today. I want to be in touch with the living God, body, spirit, and soul. I don't want something that looks flowery on the outside. It has to come to the heart of the matter. So he was more subtle than any beast of the field. And he said to the woman, now what is he doing? Here's the question. Yea, hath God said. He didn't come and say, listen, this is what God said. No, he says, yea, hath not God said. He's starting to form it as a question. You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Now everything up to that point was pretty good, even though the approach was already starting to get in a questioning manner. And here the serpent, he leaves out one word. You shall not surely die. Sorry, you shall not. He adds one word, you shall not. When, when God said, you will surely die. Now, I, I, I'm going to just maybe minister a little on this line this morning. But we're living in a world where there are hundreds and thousands and millions of narratives and opinions and, and studies and this and this and this. And none of them bring an absolute. 
You know, you get a doctor that has, hey, this kind of food is no good for you. Well, give it five years and another doctor will come to disclaim that. When you get somebody that says, you know, this and this about the stars, the solar system, somebody will come in a, in a, in a few years, they'll dispute that again. But there is one absolute, and that absolute is God's Word. And he says, you'll not surely die. And now he presents, here's the presentation. For God does know in the day that you eat thereof that your eyes will be opened. So it's higher knowledge, higher learning. God's holding something back from you. Why don't you do it and you'll see more than you do now? And it says, and you will be as gods knowing good and evil. Listen, they were already gods. They were, God, they were God's mouthpiece on earth. But the devil was presenting something to get them to bite on what he was presenting. So let's go further. What started it? Reasoning. Faith has no reason. Don't, ex don't reason at all. You believe. When you're prayed for, you accept God's word for healing. Don't reason with your feelings. Don't reason with nothing else. You get a little older, and, and, and you get a little pain, or you get a little this, you get a little ache, and, and then you begin to think. And, you know, that's how the devil wants us to be, but we need to remember, Jesus Christ died for my healing. He is, by his stripes I am healed. He died for my salvation. He, he, he bled for me. He's my intercessor. He'll take care. Don't reason with it. The devil will sometimes pull out something out of your past. Because you did this, that's why this is coming on you. Listen, what was, what was the song that was sung this morning? Under that blood, there is, there is nothing. There's, there's no going back. The blood wipes the record clear. Thank God for the blood. And he says, don't reason with it. Now he says, Brother Bannon was talking how the Lord would give a vision of something. And he's, in this particular thing, he's talking about a vision of a bear that he's going to shoot. Now he says, and he's talking about how he was even hunting with Brother Bud Southwick. And, and, and as he's going there, Brother Bud in the natural says, I've never seen that kind of bear here, Brother Branham. Brother Branham had to have faith in what God showed him. So we have to have faith in what God shows us. Remember, everything that can be presented contrary, Satan will do it. He'll try to reason. You can't do it. Satan is an opportunist. He will catch you at a weak moment. He will plant a little seed. He will bring somebody else to, to anoint that. He'll do it. That's why we need to continually be focused on what God said about the situation. Now he says, don't reason, believe. No matter what the circumstances, don't pay no attention to the circumstances. Believe, and God said, the day you eat thereof, the day you die, and, and that's the truth. Now, Satan said, let me tell you something. Oh, yeah, we say God is true. That's right. We believe the word. But Satan said, I believe that real sure. But listen, let me tell you. He didn't mean exactly that. He did mean that. That's, he meant just what he said. That, that devil is still alive today. Oh, Brother Branham. Listen, I, I fought him years ago. I, I, I'd come out of the world. I, I played basketball and sports and... and uh, and all kinds of things. And, and you know, I'd go out there in my shorts. And I, the first time I heard Brother Ram talking about men in shorts being sissy, he didn't really mean that. Yeah, he meant that. And you know what? I believe it now. It took me a while to be washed by the water of the Word, but I believe it. 
Satan will say, I'll tell you why he did it. Listen, you're not wise yet. You haven't got wisdom. But you know what? We're just like sheep. We have to be led. We are not our own. That's the way God wants us. We don't have to prove anything. Satan's going to try and get us to prove things. Let me just take some thoughts that relate to the God of this evil age. I, I want to just bring this up, not, not keep you long, but just, just to plant some seeds for another service. We live, as I said, in the blooming of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's the information age. Daniel, knowledge will be increased. People will run to and fro. You know what? People can't hardly sit still. You know, it's a, it's a good thing if the wheels are rolling when the weather's cold because it'll keep your battery charged up. But I'll tell you what, uh, you know, there's a time we need to sit still and we need to hear the voice of God. So the information age, you, you know, I think it would, if, 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 if you came from 30 years ago and you were dropped in today, you just about go crazy with everything that's going around us. But it's crept in. It, it's a part of our lives. You know, if, if, how many have picked up your phone and, and, and you're looking because there was a little notification. Somebody sent you an email or a message. Well, by the time you're done, you maybe went, oh, there's not only a new message, there, there's a notification from this and this site, and there's this and this. Uh, hey, listen, you've never gone on your phone and just done the one thing and gone back. If you do, you're, you're, you're a conqueror. But Satan is always trying to pull you into something. That, that's his tactic. So it's an information age. And it, information comes from around the world. It's ideas from everywhere in the world. And, and you know, we, we pick up from it. And it all comes funneling down into this product called the internet. Why is it called an internet? Because it captures you in this net. And, it, and it's, it's around us in the form of computer screens and keyboards. And everywhere you go, there's a monitor in a restaurant. Or there's, there's something going on or some music playing. And I, 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 we just went out the other day to a restaurant we don't frequent very often. And I go, oh my goodness, how could we come here? Like, just, just because the music that was there. Thankfully, we got a booth like way in the back corner. And I say, oh, the Lord was mindful. <laughs> Didn't hear half the noise that was in the other part. But it's, it's all over. It's got all of these things that are bombarding our mind. They're coming upon us. And, and you know what? It's conditioning us. We, we're all affected. If you use a computer, and you have to, you need to. Uh, almost anything, you need to use it. But you're bombarded in one way or another. And it's these devices that are held in your hand. You know, from phones and to pads and to laptops, which are uh, just, just slender, and you can pull them up anywhere. Except if you've got an old 10-year-old one like I do, which is a little bulkier. But the brothers sometimes laugh, and I say, but it works. I know, I know it works. And so, you know, you look at these things. They're all in your hand. Think about what's available to you. It's, it's right there. Listen, parents, it's right at your teenager's fingertips. You need to watch where, what's coming in. And I say, if you are a genuine, uh, if you're in subjection to your parents, you will not mind if your parents put some restrictions because it will help you. And the young people said, 
Brother Allen said amen. He's one of the young people here. God bless you. But it's, it's all of these things are here. And you know what? They don't stay at your fingertips. They come up here. And they're circulating around. And, and you know, sometimes a song you heard 30 years ago, all of a sudden it pops up just by a few chords or an advertisement or a memory. And that's, the devil's there to anoint that, to bring it to your mind. And, and everywhere you go, you can, you know, and it's with the allure of more knowledge and more wisdom and what can I know? And, and my goodness, it's all right at our fingertips. And it doesn't stay there. It permeates our brain. And they say that even children that are on phones and people, you know, they, they've, they've typed some of the people that are into gaming and the people that are into this continual use and they, they've monitored their brain and they've taken studies and they say, it's just like somebody on cocaine. That's how their brains are becoming because of continual use. I, I was looking at somebody the other day and, and, and in a situation and, and I looked and I said, you know what, it's, it's so addictive. And I said, if it isn't the grace of God that can stop a person and allow God to speak to him in the middle of all of that. The God of this evil age. So it's there. It's permeating our minds. It's permeating our brains. Now, this was the first computer that was ever, one of the first computers that was ever done. Beauty, right? You know, how'd you like to have that? Uh, you know, with you, I, you pull up to a job site. Hey, let me just assemble my computer and share my information with you. And, and no, that is, listen, and this was like a fraction of what you hold in your phone today. It, it, it's hardly anything. Computers were there to assist in, you know, no one human mind could carry all the information that, that was designed to help you in life. You needed to have an access, and, and you couldn't carry an encyclopedia set with you everywhere, and you, you couldn't carry all these books with you everywhere. So computers were there to store information and allow you to access it. And so, so they became, you know, that was how they started. And the first computers that were used by business were room-filling behemoths that were so expensive they could only be afforded by the largest and richest companies. Today, even the smallest company has a computer perched on every desk, and every one of these computers has many times the processing power of those old, early dinosaurs. Computers today have become vitally important to every segment of business operations. It's part of the fourth dimension. Now, computers originally were started as a tool to gather information. So they, it was information gathering, the process of collecting and organizing and analyzing data and intelligence about a subject, a target, a, you know, whatever it may be. And then it, it's not only gathering information, but it now can do it in the next paragraph. It can also identify vulnerabilities. You know, you, you, they say everywhere you go in the world, you're, you don't even know all the times that you're on a camera somewhere. You are. You walk into, into a store and they got cameras everywhere. You, you walk into public places, there's cameras everywhere. But they're assembling information. They can follow you. They can track you. Listen, don't worry. God, God knows where you're at too. And, and, and that's even better than that. So, so they're, they're there now, and, and it's information gathering, and information is power if you can channel it. So it's a gathering tool, but it's also used to process data, data processing. So 
I've got all this information. What can I do it? Tell me how many people uh, fit our, you know, we've got a restaurant. We, we want certain demographics to come to our restaurant. And how many people fit that come here? And then say, no. How many people fit this? Well, it allows you to, to figure things out. It includes the conversion of raw data to machine-readable form, flow of data through CPU and memory, formatting. Use of computers is to perform defined operations on data that can be included under data processing. So I'm, I'm, this is anybody who's in the computer business, Brother Moses isn't here, Brother Dan, Brother Ben, others who do software and writing, and some of you who know, you, you, can, you can tell me a lot more than I'm writing here, but what the computer started out for because it's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So it's good, but there's no, there's no moral compass to that tree. The only moral compass is the tree of life. So now it's moved, and I'll take a, a little bit of a quantum leap. Now it's moved to what I referred to last week as artificial intelligence. Now the computer, now when you go onto a computer... To, to find information and analyze and spit it, now you can tell it what you want to hear, what you want to receive. And it comes back to you with a particular narrative. It, it comes back to you with a theory, and, 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 and now it, it makes decisions for you it's a, or suggestions for you. It recognizes speech. It recognizes decision-making, translation between languages. Now... What's increasingly, it's beginning to think for you. This is from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, I'll, I'll bring this in and make a connection how it's starting to permeate even our thinking if we're not careful about the message around us. So, you've got all of this data whirling around, and you can say, well, what, what am I supposed to think about this? What am I supposed to be as a young person and a believer at End Time Message Tabernacle, well, it'll spit it out for you and you can follow it. But is it coming from the heart? Or is it coming from some other source? Because it gets really close. So now uh, you, you get all of these things. It, it's, it's logical. It has facts, numbers, data, science. It has memory of what I know. It allows you to remember what was before. It understands your fears, your, what's threatening, what's hurtful. It brings all of these things together, and it now begins to, you begin to be forced into something. Let me go further. Let, let me call it this way. I, this, is, this is one statement. I'll, I'll put two statements up here. These are all facts but it doesn't mean they're true. Don't let the facts get in the way of the truth. Yeah, that's part of what's the world around us, but it doesn't mean it's true. The fears that you have, they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily true. Why? Because it could be Satan bringing them to you. He can be preying on phobias. He can be preying on things. Don't let the facts get in the way of the truth. The truth is, I'm a child of the King. The truth is, I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. The truth is that there is a coming kingdom that's higher than this kingdom. Now, this, this is just that way, but we had a Canadian author. Uh, no, this is Farley Moat. He's our Canadian author. But there's another one who was Mark Twain. And he would use this. He was a, he was a literary guy, and he would t tell stories. He says, don't let the truth 
get in the way of a good story. So a lot of what's out there has a predetermined end, and it'll make a good story, but it's not necessarily true. So now, listen, that can be a motive behind there. I'll, I'll, I'm going to pick up on that in a, in a future thing. As I said earlier, there's always some health expert, some fitness expert that has the latest, greatest, you know, and somebody's there to disprove it. And the next thing you go is, you know, there's some information on what's the best computer to buy and what's the best this. And, and studies show this. And, and you know what? Out of all of that, the more information you have, you have less of a solid footing anywhere. In other words, the brain is wired to continually check all the information. Check this, check that. You know, if you're going to go shopping, you're not going to just go and go to the first store if, 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 you're, uh, if you're looking for a deal. You know, if you're, you're wired a certain way, you're going to check all the flyers. Hey, I'm going to buy this there. I'm going to buy that there. That's what my wife does. She, she looks for the right deal. God bless her for that. But, you know, you're always looking, you're scanning, but you can't apply that thinking to the Word of God. You know, and, and here's the enemy that comes in this last day, and, and he attempts to fragment the Word of God, saying, okay, this narrative fits you better even in applying the message. Listen, it's not picking and choosing, it's allowing the Word to wash you. So you, you can be wired to be looking at this what does this person say about it? What does this person say about it? What does that person say about it? Well, P Jesus asked Peter the same question. What, what do men say? Well, some say this. Some, but Peter, what do you say? Well, there's the difference. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what we need to hear. Not all the other voices. Not what all the studies are. Not what all the opinions are. That's the world that's being wired around us. I say, oh God, let me hear your voice. My sheep hear my voice. They do what's called narrative writing or narrative. And let me just stop for a moment. That's a little fuzzy. You're going you're gonna to be spinning there if you look at that too long. You know, if, if you want to hear certain news, sometimes you go to the media outlet that fits what you want to hear. So if you live in the U.S. and you want to hear a little bit more of a conservative viewpoint, you go to Fox News. If you want to hear, you know, a, a little bit more liberal point, you go to CNN. You know, you can go to CBS for certain things. But you know pretty well what you're going to get before you get there. And you know what? It's, it's already, it's determined you've already determined which way you're going. Now, if you're not careful, you can apply that to the Word of God and say, well, this is what I see. This is No, the Word is continually unfolding. As you walk with Jesus, He opens it more. So the devil wants you to see a narrative like he presented to Eve in the very beginning. He says, Eve, you're going to be wise. You're going to have all of these things. But it says, narratives have a purpose. The writer has a purpose in telling you a story. And the story, it might take you through a journey, but it's going to bring you to a purpose. Listen, God tells, God has something that he's desiring to bring out that is not channeling you into something. Uh, I'm going to come this. This was kind of an interesting thing 
One author says, now, bombarded with the story, you grew interested against your will. And before you knew it, you were so well informed, so opinionated about the facts of the case, you would have been unfit to sit on the jury. Now, if that isn't the world that we live in, there are people that have come in contact with the message, but they've heard so many opinions that they can't even cross those things to even really hear what God says. And then there's people who have seen, maybe even in our church, maybe raised in the church and say, oh, this is all that it is, it's all that I know. But there's something greater when you come in contact with God. It'll open up something beyond the narrative of the world around us. Brother Bannon would say this, gifts and callings are without repentance. The days are growing evil. Because that's knowledge, man's knowledge that he received in the Garden of Eden. When he left the tree of life to eat from the tree of knowledge, that knowledge is increasing constantly. And as knowledge increases, they get away from the Bible and they get into a theory. Now, Jesus actually, if you go into education, you are taught to question everything. Well, you know, what do you think? No, uh, like this, this is a narrative that can happen in schools. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's amazing to, to even think the world has come so far. He says, you are a boy. How do you know you're a boy? Oh, it's obvious. Yeah, but do you really feel like a boy? That's the question. That's what higher education is doing to this world right now. Where did that come from? It came from the Garden of Eden when the serpent presented something to Eve. That serpent is still in the world today. Well, how do you know them? I, I, I remember I was in school and I, I had to, I had Christian parents and I, I had to, we had to be away to go to convention and I had a teacher. He was a liberal teacher. I, he was liberal because, you know, he, he drank coffee. He was a science teacher. He drank coffee out of a beaker just to prove that he was something special and had long hair and had an earring in his day. And, 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 and I just came and told him, hey, I'm going to be away a week at this convention. Oh, what are they going to teach you there? You know, he mocked it. And then when I came back, he's in front of the whole class. So did you learn something? Are you better for it? Like mocking it. Friends, that's the world around us. That's not the way the Holy Spirit operates. His word is yea and amen. He's not here to, to put question marks. That's another voice. But the voice of our beloved, the voice of our shepherd, the voice of, of uh, and, and what we're built with as sheep is to be affirmed by the voice that God is sending us. As knowledge increases, they get people away from the Bible and into a theory. And Jesus said, and now the power has come for the world has become very skeptic. You can hardly present the truth of the message or the Bible without a question, oh yeah, where did you get that from? How did you get... That's the world around us. Friends, don't go to that place. And you're not being brainwashed. Know, know for yourself where, who God is and how he works on your behalf. Brother Brandon would say in the rising of the sun... I'm afraid that too many of us are get, not getting the people to Christ. We're getting them to a church, to a theory. 
The message is not a theory. It's truth. It's, it's more real than the fourth dimension. It is, it will be proven one day that God was here in our services. It will be proven that when ministers came and spoke, it was God, the angel of God behind them. It will be proven what we're living for is truth. Brother Man would talk from the message, the absolute. And I, I'll say this. Truth is not a question mark. Truth is certain. According to Webster's, he said the absolute, it's perfect in itself. It's unlimited in its power. It's primarily an ultimate. It's perfect in itself. Oh, what a glorious word, he says. The word absolute is an ultimate. Therefore, I think everybody should have an ultimate we drop down. You've got to have something to tie to, in other words. It's the final tying post to every achievement. It's somewhere. It might wind you through different things till it gets to that tie post, but there is an amen to all of it. You cannot go through life without having one. It's, this is so contrary to the world around us. Why am I a believer in listening to tapes? Because when you're listening to it, there's something being deposited. And it's a different voice than what you're going to hear when you go out into, into schools. It's a different voice than you're going to hear on jobs. It's a different voice than you hear in the conversations in the public places. And I will say, it can creep into our midst too. It's not that far off. Listen, I'll come to it. I'm not going to make this much longer. You want to know how far it's going? The leader of the religious world around the world is acknowledged as the Pope. For the Catholics, for sure. But he came out a, a couple of years ago just to show you how far the world is falling. Listen, the Vatican stood firmly against homosexuality. Stood firmly against gay and anything gay. But this Pope came out a couple of years ago and he said, Who am I to judge? Oh. Well, that sounded nice. What else did he say? If someone is gay and he searches for the Lord and has goodwill, who am I to judge? Listen, look at where this thinking takes people. We shouldn't marginalize people for this. They must be integrated into society. That was a couple of years ago. A month and a half ago. Same-sex unions can be blessed. Unthinkable. Where did, how, where did all this come from? The Pope approves blessings for same-sex couples if the rituals don't resemble marriage. It's not going to stop here. It's going to go further. Friends, and what, what is all of this? It is actually diminishing what the truth of the Bible is. That was a little bit of a resemblance. But what is it? It's a fulfillment of this scripture. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and is worshipped so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God. Listen, who is, who is the God of this evil age? It's Satan. But he's got representatives. I know this is being streamed. But I have to tell the truth. And friends, I'm saying it's, don't think, oh, that's the Catholics. It goes further. Listen, Brother Bram speaks this. 
And I'm just about finished my PowerPoint and I've got a few more words. He said, when I get home, this is a month before he, maybe a month and a half before he passes away. When I go home, I'm preaching on the subject, the trail of the serpent, the beast at the beginning, the beast at the end. I'm going to trail him right through the Bible and show you how he heads up. In other words, what happened in the Garden of Eden, happened in Jesus' time, will repeat itself in the end time. The three temptations. Brother Brandon would say this, in God of this evil age, he's asking this question, how women are acting and why things are, he said, has God lost control? Or is, is he just permitting another agency to control? I wonder. The true answer to this question is, in my opinion, there are two opposing spirits in the world today at work. Now, we like to say, well, thank God we're under this one. I, I need to take this a step further. He's speaking in this message. Now, he's talking about how the bride is wired to something, and he says, she has been given and revealed the seven seal mysteries of the Bible. She sees the folly of the deceiver. Now, the Lord willing, I'm going to get into this in another service because I'm, I'm going to pick up some things that, that happened through the church ages that actually come right down to the age we're living in. She sees the folly of the deceiver. It's very close to the truth. It can almost deceive the elected. She sees it. She sees it. Why? You know, I, 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 didn't, uh, I didn't come back to it, but last week, and I read the quote, and I didn't know it until I actually read it, when Jesus is 12 years old, and he comes, and he comes to the temple, and he says to the disciples, and they ask him, you know, when, when Mary comes and says, don't you know your father and I sought you? And he says, don't you know I need to be about the father's business? It said, he didn't know it intellectually. It was a part of him. Why? He was birthed by the Word. And when we're birthed by the Word, there are things that you will approach, and it might look so good, but there's this little warning bell. There's this little insight teacher inside. I'll say, hold on a second. That ain't quite right. How, how many want to be governed by that in a greater way? I, I, I want to stop doing injury to myself and to others and say, Lord, I want to be walking closer to hear that voice. So, you know, it, Jesus didn't know it. You don't know it, but when you're birthed by the Word, when you're, when you're a genuine, not just talking an intellectual understanding, but the Word that you're born under, you cannot deny the part of God that you're born under. Now listen, he says, do you see these two opposing spirits? One Paragraph 165. Can you see it? They're very religious. Cain and Abel. Spirits coming to their heads. Still the same as they started. One worshiping by beauty. One by knowledge. One by education. One by science. One by ethics. You can approach the message with all of these things. And it says the other one. By the faith of the revelation of the word of God. And then he makes this statement. Both of them is standing right in the building this morning. Think about that. 
right where we're at in this truth. You can approach it intellectually, wired by the world. And you know what? It'll take you so far, but it won't take you all the way. I, if I can say one thing, this is an encouragement. It's not, I'm not trying to be heavy, but friends, make sure that you know who you're in contact with. Make sure. If, you know, if you're not sure of the Holy Ghost, you seek God. You, if you feel you don't have it and, and you need prayer, I, I'm here to pray anytime. You can come to me privately. You can come to me here. You can tell. But I have a burden that we all are born under the Holy Ghost, that we don't just come to the message intellectually. And if you're not certain and you have this little doubt, I'll pray with you. Uh, and and I'll, not just one time, but I'll pray with you until it happens. I, I'm here for that, just so you know. The brothers, the ministers that are here, we're here for that. Both of them, right in the building. I, I dare say, just like Jesus knew, hey, 11 of you are clean, but one of you isn't. He knew where that one came from. Think about Judas. He went all the way up to the door of heaven, and he kissed the cheek of the Lord. And then he went back and came where he went back, where he came from all along. I don't want to be, I don't want anybody in that place. Brother Bannon would say it. Okay, let's just leave it. Let's stop the PowerPoint there. You can turn that off, Brother Ethan. <coughs> I just got a few more minutes and we're going to close. You got all good here this morning? I know some of you are maybe saying otherwise in your homes, but uh, God bless you. I love you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad for the Word of God. I'm glad for the message that we have been given. I want to read this as Brother Branham would speak. And this is in the Church Age book, and he speaks about the three temptations. And, it, and it's, it's the overcomer's throne, and he refers to Revelations 3.21, to him that overcomes can sit with me in the, in the Father's throne. What are we to overcome? It's actually, that's, it's not the actual thought of this verse, so what we are to, but how we are to overcome. He says, it's not so much as what we are overcoming as long as we know how to overcome. In each of the three temptations, now he, he refers to Matthew 4, where Jesus is tempted of the devil. He says, and he refers to the Garden of Eden, and he refers to what we go through. In each of these three major trials that correspond exactly to the temptation of the Garden of Eden, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, Jesus overcame by the Word. Now, I, I, want you to, I don't want you to look at this as an intellectual thing, that the more I study the message, the more I'll know. No, I want you to look at this as a spiritual impregnation of the Word into the fabric of your thinking and your being, that you're so wired to that, that whatever comes your way, you will know, you'll, you'll understand, you'll be repelled by a wrong approach. You'll be repelled by just something that's, that's, that's left off, that's not quite right. Why am I saying that? Because both spirits can come right in our midst. I, I, I don't like to think those thoughts, but we have to be honest. And the prophet would speak about three types of believers. And he says, they're in every group. Now, I, I, I can't go here and I'm not, I'm not discerning on that level. But I'm, I'm saying is, 
what we need to make certain is where we're standing. So he's saying, how did he overcome? He overcame by the word. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, Jesus overcame. Now remember, what was the first temptation? If, if you're the son of God, he's, where was he weak? He was weak in his body. He was hungry. He says, make these stones into bread. And, and then what did, what did Jesus do? He goes into the scriptures and he goes to the book of Deuteronomy and some innocent little words that Moses spoke in the book of Deuteronomy and he says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He would say that to him. The words of Moses. Sometimes it'll come up at you and you don't even, and it'll be just a phrase and it's enough for you to understand, oh, this is the Lord speaking to me. Aren't you glad for that little voice? I, I, I'm so glad for it. And he says, and so every time Satan came, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, you know, and, but he says, Jesus overcame by the word, and that's the only way you can know if you're overcoming, because the word can't fail. Yeah. Notice how Jesus overcame this world systems of religion. He was repeatedly badgered by the theologians of his day, but he constantly applied the word. You might have somebody come on you and say, you still believe that message? Yeah, I believe it. He says, don't, don't you want to listen? Hey, I, I heard this new thing. Here, you can listen to this. And I had that happen to me. I have it happen from time. And I go, that's nice. I said, I, I occasionally look at that for just a, a reference, but I've got an absolute. I've got a place that I can come to. I've got a sure place. I've, I've got a rock that I'm standing on. And, and so he says, now, there was not a time when the world was not utterly confused by his wisdom, for it was the wisdom of God. Do You might think, well, I'm not Jesus. No, but the Holy Spirit is here. And you know, he'll make known to you what you have to have in that hour you need it. Listen, just the same as when you might be at a table with young people and, and say, hey, does anybody know what happened on such and such a date back then? And you all search up. And you find the information. Now, you have access to the information by the tree of knowledge. It's the same way with the tree of life. You don't know it all in your human being. But the moment you need it, it comes to you. It's there to protect you. It's there to lead you. It's there to guide you. And you know what? I, I, I feel like, let's just say, let it be the word and the word alone. Let it be the word that God brings to my heart. The conviction of my heart. And I believe that's what God wants us to do. Listen, as I'll wind my thought down, he says, there will not be one person who will sit on the throne of the Lord, of Jesus Christ, unless he's been living that word. Your prayers, your fastings, your repentances, no, no matter what you present to God, none of that will gain you the privilege of sitting on that throne. In that throne, it will be granted to the word bride. As the throne of the king is shared with the queen, she is united with him. So only they who are of that word, even as he of the word, will share that throne. And what is it, friends? It is, it is the approach. It is, it is not just the knowledge of the word. Because Satan, he, he, let's have the musicians come. Satan will exalt the knowledge of, above the revelation. He will exalt, you know, 
well, there's this, there's this. And you know what? You can, you can get caught up in that. But I'll tell you what. There is real power in, in knowing the mind of God, having it there, but only using it as God directs you to use it. I, I, I'll say it's, it's wonderful knowing that he's sitting right here in my heart. Lord, if you want me, I'm ready to speak. But otherwise, you're in charge. You're in control. You've got my vessel. You know all about me. There's, there's much more that we could, we could say. In, in harvest time, Brother Branham will say this. The first family of God was given the word of God to fortify it. That's still his plan. Not a creed, not an organization, not man-made rules, but every word that proceeds out of the, out of the mouth of God. I'm so glad that we have in this last day, as Brother Bram would say, the perfect interpretation by divine vindication. What, I, 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 I don't have to go and prove anything about the cloud. I don't have to prove uh, about the bridge and all the things that they're bringing up now. Where is it vindicated in my heart? It's real here. It's, to me, that's a greater reality than everything out there. And I'm so glad that he lives. Let's stand together. I'm really happy to be around the message of the hour. I, I'm, I, I was just driving the other day, and I just put, put it on and listened, and I thought, oh, God, there's such truth in this. There, there is something that is greater than anything that a sports talk show has, than, 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 a, than, 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 a, than a social media site or all of these things, and I thought, you know, and, and there's, there's some real power in just saying, I want to listen to what will be, what has always been here, what will be here, and what will stand alone the test of time. Does that mean you don't participate? You do. But I'm just saying, it's coming more and more into view. Do you believe that? Let's sing this just to change the order a little bit. It's manifesting time. The fruits are on the vine. It's manifesting time The fruits are on the vine And the lovely one Is coming in plain view Oh, to cap God's chosen bride Redemption draweth not He's that lovely one He's coming in plain view The voice of my beloved Behold, he quickly comes Sweeping over the mountains, over the hills he runs. I long to hear his voice, I long to hear him say, Arise, my love, my fair one, come away. It's manifesting time, the fruits are on the vine, and the lovely one is coming in place. 